Welcome to the Mind, Body, Spirit podcast, the number one podcast for leaders that want to not only transform their minds and the way they think about the world and navigate the world, but as well as shape their bodies to get into optimal health. That way they can live life to the fullest in a fit and healthy body and ignite their spirit through adopting a very fulfilling lifestyle. Welcome back. It's 2022. This is the first episode of the Mind, Body, Spirit podcast of the new year. And we're going to kick it off with a hot topic. We're talking about COVID-19, a little more controversial than you'll probably get from the rest of the episodes of the year. However, I think it's been around for a few years now and health and fitness definitely impacts your immune system. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I decided to recruit a friend of mine from college. His name is Daniel Magnuson, and you'll get to meet him in a second. Daniel studies immunology and recently had a paper published on RNA editing technologies by him and a postdoc did together. And that that paper was published actually uh, the day after we recorded our original episode. So we were not able to talk about it at that time. But I'm going to put the link to his um, article in the show notes. So that way you can check it out if you'd like to. And let's go ahead and jump into today's conversation. Welcome back to the Mind, Body, Spirit podcast. I'm with a good friend of mine, Daniel. So Daniel and I actually went to college together back at Cal State University of San Marcos. And we were just reminiscing about how far away that used to be now. Five years have gone by. Um, And Daniel now currently lives in Iceland, is from Iceland. And then Daniel, I'm going to let you kind of just tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently, um, since it's out of my sphere of um, expertise. So, uh, yeah, I'm Daniel, and uh, I come from a small uh, fishing village in Iceland, a population of 1,000. I moved, uh, like, about eight years ago, I moved to the U.S., uh, where I graduated from California State University in San Marcos, same school as uh, Jordan's from, and that's where we met. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in biotechnology, and uh, currently I'm back in Iceland, and I, uh, I'm working at the Biomedical Center uh, under the umbrella of the University of Iceland. I'm currently uh, an assistant teacher. I, I assist uh, I assist professors around there, and we are looking. We're waiting for for incoming grants so we can start some research. But at the moment, I am uh, assistant professor, and I'm also a student uh, trying to finish my degree in biomedical sciences. When it comes to immunology, for someone that really doesn't know what that means, um, what what is immunology, and what is the like the immune system? So the immune system is basically uh, the way we deal with infections from foreign pathogens and how we, how the body kind of recognizes the difference between uh, uh, foreign materials and your your own your own materials in your own body. So we have to explain this in like a very short time. We have these uh, kind of macrophages that kind of patrol our body, looking for foreign uh, antigens, is what we call them, and when they when they, uh, when they find them, they release a thing called cytokines, which cause inflammation in a body. And which is the discomfort that you usually feel if you, if you uh, either if you get sick or if you're getting the vaccine. And it recruits the white blood cells, which then fight the, the infection. And you know, if, they, if they prove victorious, hopefully, then they will then create these called uh, T or B memory cells, which then store the information about the antigen. So, they'll be able to uh, protect you further or even more easily uh, if you get infected again. Yeah. And immunology research, you know, a lot of it, 
revolves around if we, for example, with COVID is to find out how, how the COVID virus enters the cells. How is it, what is the structure of the virus? What is the, what can we, you know, what proteins does it have on the surface or what kind of antigens can we try to uh, attack to, to, to make the virus in, more ineffective? And uh, it's also, it's concerning with how, how well we uh, are creating these, these uh, T memory cells after infection or after vaccine. So we'll be able to uh, more be ready, uh, be more able to, to uh, battle a disease basically. Awesome. Yeah. And it's kind of the, yeah. like that adage or quote the, uh, or it's like, it's like an old proverb of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The things that, you know, your body's exposed to an, for an invader, essentially it builds that response to where it's now able to fight that better and our immune system or body protects itself better. And like you mentioned, that can either come through getting sick with a virus yeah. or through a, a vaccine. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny is that maybe a lot of people who never, you know, stop to think about their immune system or took it for granted are now it's like one of the most hottest topics that are being talked about at, you know, any get together or on Instagram, Facebook, lore in the comment section, you see people fighting, over, <laughs> you know, who's right on, on what, and also just the, yeah. the CDC and who, I think we didn't know what we were dealing with in the very beginning and the CDC and the world health organization have let out and changed their guidelines many times throughout the last few years. Um, so I guess, you know, how is one question is like, how is COVID-19, I guess, different than like the flu or the cold or other types of maybe H1N1 like we had in the past? So, I mean, before we carry on, I just want, you know, the listeners and you want to make sure that, you know, I'm not an, a doctor. I'm not an expert. There's plenty of people <laughs> that are more educated than me in the field. There's if you want an expert, you should probably talk to virologists, immunologists, pandemic specialists, or just medical doctors. Uh, I'm just a guy. I'm a student. I have, like I said in the intro, I have a huge interest in the field, and uh, I like to read medical journals. I like to read relevant data, and you know, I've some I have some experience with with reading journals. So I, I I would like to think I'm good at interpreting. But uh, regarding COVID nineteen, it is a it's a respiratory illness, just like influenza except it is uh it spreads a lot faster especially with this new omicron variant it's it's exponentially faster how it spreads mm -hmm. it has more severe it causes more severe illness than influenza and and i think the biggest uh problem we're having with it it can spread asymptomatically where the reason why we, we we don't really wear masks when when it comes to influenza is that you're not really spreading it unless you're sick so if you're feeling sick from influenza, you usually decide to stay at home. You know, you don't go go outside and meet people when you're sick. So we don't we do not require masks for that. But with COVID, you could be completely uh, asymptomatic. You could have like no symptoms, but you can still be breathing out the virus and spreading it. So that's uh, kind of a big issue with uh, that we have with COVID nineteen, and that's that's also why we have these mask mandates. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the CDC changing their guidelines. It's it's a huge part of big part of science is just just to learn new things and adapt. You know we can't know everything at the start, and we when we learn new information, we often change how we think about about things. And initially, I think I think Fauci Fauci even said that we might not even need any masks, and that was because he thought it would would be like influenza that usually if you get sick you just stay at home. It's not a problem. 
But then we learned that it can spread asymptomatically. The guidelines uh, changed pretty fast. And you know, this happens in various things. And I mean, I'm sure you being a, a nutrition and a health coach, you probably remember it wasn't too long ago where we thought the cause of uh, most of our health problems and obesity was, was fats in food mm-hmm. and everything. You could go to a store and everything was low fat, low fat, you know, and then we found out that it's, you know, it's, it's other things as well as, is carbohydrates, uh, mostly that cause us to, to be overweight. Yeah. And overeating, right. Just taking in more calories yeah. than you need. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we... so just how we're always kind of science, I think for a lot of people didn't, lost sight of this in the last two years because i think in the past science was studied by scientists or people who were science-minded and now yeah. it's become so popularized to be like well if you don't agree with me don't agree with science kind of thing and i think people fail to realize that science is us is a way to solve problems right and so um when you know trying to solve a problem you update the next best method to solve that problem as frequently as you need to right i think a lot of people were saying I think getting caught up on the, and this happens in nutrition a lot. It's like, no, this is what I thought was right. So any new information, I don't want to hear about it kind of thing. And just getting stuck in old information. Exactly. I I don't know if you, I probably told you about this, but before I came to Cal State, I did a kind of associate's degree in, in uh, physical and, and physical therapy. So I, yeah, I started to become a personal trainer and I did a lot of nutrition courses and, you know, exercise physiology and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember some of it today, but like when I look at some nutrition uh, guides today, they're completely different from when I was learning them. So we can just see how that, even that field has progressed and changed a lot over the years. Yeah. It's probably one of the most evolving fields. I feel like just because it wasn't vastly studied until the last, you know, 30 years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it takes a while for information to, to get adopted. Uh, I like to add on like what, what's happening with, you know, what we talked about Facebook comments and arguing. I think, I think um, I, I understand why these things are happening. It's because people are kind of frustrated that this pandemic hasn't been solved after all this time. And they're yeah. becoming angry at the scientists and kind of blaming them. And I kind of liken it to, you know, when your favorite football team or, I mean, I guess, soccer soccer for 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 americans yeah yeah or either way like if a player misses a goal you start yelling at the tv and you start thinking oh i would have made that goal i wouldn't have missed that goal but you don't realize like you know how fast you're going and like the angle and and all that stuff so they yeah people are yelling and and they think that they they can solve you know we can solve the scientists haven't solved it but i found this article that the science have missed about this you know medicine that actually cures COVID better than the, you know, better than other, other working medicines. And, yeah. you know, I think, that, I think that's what's happened. People are frustrated and I completely understand. Yeah. Makes sense. I think we kind of got to the root of the issue in the very beginning and like, we're going to probably expound on it more, but essentially people are frustrated and, you know, science is ever changing and needs to adapt. Right. And we need to be open to new evidence as it comes out. And hence the reason why CDC guidelines, World Health Organization, and how we understand the things that we do mm. to protect us from COVID have changed uh, so frequently. Yeah. And it just sucks that it's not over yet, right? So I guess, you know, you, you touched on this a little bit, but, um, you know, when it comes to the vaccine, there's a lot of 
drama on whether or not we should take it or not. And so I think it just maybe helped people to understand what vaccines are um, and why we use them. So we have, there are two types of vaccines that now Pfizer and Moderna are mRNA vaccines. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are preferred. I think most of the day, those are recommended over the vector vaccines with Johnson & Johnson. The vector vaccine is basically, I, I, I understand a lot less about vector vaccines than the mRNA vaccine. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. My understanding of vector vaccines, they are, uh, they are a weaker version of the virus. They're a harmless version of the, of the virus itself that contain the spike protein. The spike protein of the COVID virus is the protein that enables it to penetrate and enter the cell in your body. Basically, without the spike protein, it's, it's unable to enter the cell and, and replicate. So with, ve- with the vector vaccines like Johnson & Johnson, you have a weaker version of the virus, which then activates your immune system to fight back, which then creates uh, the memory cells and antigens in your body, and you are ready, and you're basically now well protected against uh, the infection of the real disease. Uh, the mRNA vaccines, however, which I'm a huge fan of, they are basically... Um, if you're familiar with the uh, with the central dogma of you know DNA RNA proteins in the body, the DNA store information about uh, about about pro- how to uh, produce proteins, they basically they transcribe uh, DNA into RNA, and and the mRNA get gets uh, moved into the ribosome where it translates the RNA code into proteins. Uh, so with the mRNA vaccines, what they've done is they created an mRNA in the lab and they found a way for it to enter the body without, you know, without activating the you know, immune system. And the mRNA translates, translates uh, into the spike protein that is on the surface of the COVID virus. And the spike protein it's, itself is harmless because it's not, it's, it's not the virus, it's just a spike protein and it's not, you know, it doesn't allow any kind of virus to enter the cell. And, and then that activates your immune system, which then creates the antigens uh, that provide you with the protection. The mRNA then disintegrates in about five days. So there's really nothing in the vaccine that could be harmful to you. Yeah, the mRNA vaccines have been in development. The technology has been in development like since the late 1980s. You know, they just have recently become available for use. They they were studied for the flu and, and other diseases. I can't think of any on the top of my head. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of people don't realize that they've been around for so long. And they think this, this is like brand new. Yeah. Um, well, as COVID is, was pretty new. I feel like it's still in the scientific, science side of things. It is still pretty new compared to like the flu has been around for a long time. Um, but yeah, so mRNA has been something that we've been using for a while, just not on a, on a wide spectrum, right? And not so ac- easily to access. There was a problem where we, we knew we could use it. You know, we, we, we knew that we could, if we could replicate, if, if we could make an mRNA that makes the virus, makes a, a protein, that, uh, the spike protein of the virus, we could uh, use that as a, an effective vaccine, but we just never found a proper way to to have it enter the, the body without being attacked by the immune system immediately. Gotcha. The vaccine itself. And yeah. it was, I think, Dr. Calico, I think her name, she is, she is, uh, I think she got the credit for, for, for uh, being the, the inventor of the mRNA technology that we're using today. Yeah. So in the so, University of Pennsylvania. Which is pretty close to where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so question for you kind of regarding the vaccines, because I've definitely heard this and I think I've even read this on a study. However, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not pouring into research like you are on this topic. I'm more looking mm. at new, latest nutrition studies um, that you, certain vaccines um, like, or vaccines in general work better when you're healthier. Is that true or false? Or is there a way for like, when it comes to boosters, for example, um, you know, does everyone need a booster every three months or do some people have better immune systems where you're able to, you know, keep the antibodies for longer? Health is a huge impact in, in your ability to create, uh, create the, the antibodies in, like to, to activate your immune system in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, sleep and healthy exercise and healthy diet allows the macrophages to recruit divide blood cells faster. That's, that's been seen in studies that I've, I've, I've looked at at least. And, you know, good sleep, of course. Uh, when you're sleeping, your, your energy gets, uh, you know, you're not using a lot of your energy for breathing or, or, or your muscles. So energy gets, gets used instead to, to your immune system can, can get more of your energy to you know, improve itself. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, I mean, I think it's good, you know, for what we've done, the research we've done on the vaccine, they usually, uh, the antibodies are, are, have diminished on over a four or five month period, but you can do antibody, you can test antibodies in your body. There's sites you can go to and test for antibodies. Mm-hmm. And if you go, test and you you see that you have lots of antibodies either from you know your second dose or or from previous infection then you know, i mean in that case i would say you wouldn't need the booster yeah everyone is different like you said having more sleep and just being generally healthy yeah. will allow your immune system to be able to use the vaccines or bounce back from well, getting sick and have just a stronger immune system regardless yeah both of those things it will be it will allow your body to respond better to getting COVID and also from getting the vaccine, you will be able to more effectively uh, react to the vaccine and create uh, proper an- uh, antibodies. Because as you know, there's a lot of breakthrough infections we get mm-hmm. and a lot of people who are vaccinated, even with the third dose are still getting COVID. They're still getting hospitalized, even though a much, much lower rate. You know, I think that has to be said. It's, uh, it's yeah. a lot lower rate, you know, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, your immune system not reacting correctly or the vaccine not being administered in, in a correct way. And a lot of factors in there, but health plays a tremendous role, I would say. Gotcha. I guess one question I had on the vaccine, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I know I've had people ask me this and I'm like, I don't know. Um, but when you go to take the vaccine here in America, they make you like read 20 pages worth of stuff and sign. Um, that you know that you're taking experimental vaccine. Um, okay. Why, like, I guess, why was that? If, if you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, the vaccines coming out, if they've been studied for so long. I don't really know about the U.S. because you know I we yeah. don't have to do that here. But I can imagine it is because you know how how U.S. has a big culture of suing over. A lot of things like you, you guys like to i'm not talking trash but you guys like to sue each other a lot yeah so i'm I, well the only thing I'm, I'm guessing here is that you of course you can get really uncomfortable side effects from the vaccine just because mm-hmm. of the inflammation uh that happens and uh i would guess just 
you know, just to make sure that people don't get sued because they get get sick from the vaccine. I that, that that's my guess there. Yeah. But uh, it's important that the vaccine, the vaccines both went to the same, they they went to the same trials as any vaccine in history. They were held to the same standard by the FDA by any vaccine in the history, including the polio vaccine. Uh, the only thing that was rushed is that there are there are three trial phases that a vaccine has to go through. And what they did with this vaccine that they, instead of doing the, tr the trials separately, they did it at the same time, just to expedite it. Gotcha. And that was, that was the rush and it was continued. They, there was a very strict monitoring of the vaccine even after it was approved and administered. And if there was anything, if there was anything kind of suspicious that, that they might require further trials, it was pulled. And as you, you saw that with Johnson and Johnson, it was pulled mm -hmm. because there were, there were some reported cases and people wanted to investigate if that was significant, if the amount of cases was significant, if we could deem it not as safe. And, uh, and this is why today, for example, people are recommending the mRNA vaccines over, over the vector vaccines. I know there's a lot of vaccines out there. So my wife is from Brazil. We have a lot of family there and you can't even actually get most of the mRNAs there. Um, there's things like you know, there's CoronaVac mm -hmm. is the easiest to get there. Um, I think now people are able to get Pfizer. However, it's not okay. everyone. Um, with, like, I guess you mentioned that mRNAs are, are a little bit better. Um, you know, how are, are these other, do you know about these other vaccines as much as, you know? I don't, I can't, I can't say I've looked into CoronaVac, no. I yeah. can't say I can okay. speak too much about that, but there is a problem with, so um, there's a problem with the availability of the vaccines now. And that is because, you know, and conspiracy theorists will be surprised for me to say this, that, you know, big pharma, you know, these big pharmaceutical companies, they are greedy. They care more about money than the public health. And I agree with that. And a lot of conspiracy theorists say that. Yeah. But the thing is, like, that has nothing to do with the efficacy of the vaccine or of their product. You know, that's what a lot of people think. They think that because they're greedy, they're not making a good product because they want to make, keep making money, but that's not how it works. You know, it's, they still have to make a, a product that goes through all the trials and works to corner the market and, you know, get the money. You know, you look at companies like Apple or Amazon, like where H and M, like a lot of these companies have very sketchy history. Like Apple has some history with child labor, you know, but they still make <laughs> awesome products because they have to, that's how capitalism works. It's, it's a business. It's not, it's not a, it's not a charitable, it's not a charity organization, you know? Yeah. But so there's a problem with that where, you know, some of the richer countries are hoarding the vaccines while other poorer countries are not able to get their hands on, on the vaccine. And, and they, they can maybe only get like some of the like less developed vaccines. And the, I guess I wouldn't know if they're less safe or anything like that. And this is, this is one of our problems. Gotcha. Yeah. And like you said, that's found in just everywhere in the world. Like I know Nike, for example, they have, you know, factories in Indonesia and they had other places yeah. too. Like, yeah, every business, every big business kind of has like a little bit of that. Yeah. They're trying to save money because they're greedy. Yeah. You know? And so and I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a Pfizer fan or Moderna fan, you know, even though I, I advocate for the vaccines, you know, I yeah. just, I know they make a good product and I trust the science. I trust the I trust the scientific research that's been done on the vaccine. And, you know, and a lot of people say like, oh, everyone who's done research on the vaccine is getting paid by Pfizer. It's just, you know, 
you have like small labs like somewhere in Europe where it's just like two students and, and, and a PhD professor is like you think they've been paid by Pfizer like it's it's ridiculous. So going back a little bit um, before the vaccines were produced right we were put into quarantine. Um, I don't know how long um, you were probably quarantined for were you in Europe during that time? Uh, yes I was yeah I was in Denmark. Yeah and I was here in Pittsburgh in the States um, and so we were quarantined for a while. Things like gyms were closed. Um, mm -hmm. All the things you could do were buy alcohol and food here in the States. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how it was for you in Denmark, but um, I, from a nutrition coach, health fitness standpoint, I feel like the quarantines were not the greatest idea. Um, I think they served a purpose then were abused. And I would agree. I was, I was hundred percent for quarantines because they made sense for me uh, at the time. But in retrospect, you know, I, I think, I think you're, you got the right idea. It wasn't a great idea. We can see mental health uh, diminished a lot with people. And of course, overall health got worse. Yeah. And, you know, and people who are getting Omicron now, that's, you know, and they, people that have, have gained tremendous health um, uh, weight over the quarantine, you know, they're, suffering worse probably from getting Omicron than if they, if they would have stayed healthy. So, yeah, I, I was definitely wrong about that, you know, when I was hundred percent pro quarantine, but I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder if there's any middle ground, because if you keep everything open, it's, you're going to get more, you know, you're going to get more cases and therefore more people in the hospital and more deaths. Right. So there is some kind of middle ground where we, I think, the things that we should keep open or prioritize keeping open, you should try to find a way to, you know, have, have a lot of safety around, you know, around gyms and, 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 and especially like for people to get doctor's appointments, you know, that we can't limit people to just get checked for cancer and, and uh, other things when during the quarantine, you know, yeah. we have to continue to monitor for uh, people's health and, and and I think it's also important, you know, if you're quarantining, like to try to keep yourself busy, you know, try to find a hobby and try to exercise it at home. I think it would have been nice if it was kind of a movement for that, you know, to try to, you know, exercise at home and stay healthy. And if there were any companies who were able to send, you know, health, more healthy foods and vegetables to your house or, or something like that, I don't know. It's funny, it's been a battle on both sides. So I think I've been building a health an online nutrition coaching business through this. Right. And I think in one aspect, my services have become more in demand and more normalized because of this. So there's a positive there. Um, Peloton had an amazing year. Now they're kind of dropping their stock like crazy. Um, really? Okay. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. And then gyms had a really hard time for a year and a half, two years when they were forced to close. And there's a lot of lawsuits going on between gyms here in the States and the States. So like there's a, you know, a few gyms in Pennsylvania, which are actually suing the state of Pennsylvania. I think Ohio has got some cases oh, interesting. Uh, because they were mandated to be shut down, uh, couldn't yeah. make money and decided, Hey, Hey, we're going to stay open anyway. Um, because we don't want to lose our livelihood and our members are willing to come in. And so it was yeah. very interesting kind of thing where I've seen throughout the last two years here in the States, um, 
this idea that like health and fitness is optional. It's, it's a luxury. It's not necessarily um, as important as like going to get your groceries and things like that. Um, and hasn't changed much. I feel like not until I think just a few months ago, the CDC finally said um, yeah. lifestyle does matter. I think before that people were just kind of like ignoring it, which is a, kind of a weird thing to say because uh, I think and elementary biology like classes introduce kind of that the way that what we do affects our, our body right and, and, and our immune systems especially um yeah. how, how was it over in denmark was it different Did you guys handle it better uh i wouldn't say so. i mean i was only in denmark for a short time because you know my classes like all my classes were they weren't canceled but they were moved online gotcha. and and i was i just got a job uh, i was working in just like a small coffee shop along with school at the time and uh that closed as well so and i lost my job therefore so i was basically in denmark not doing anything because you know classes were online and my, i didn't have a job this was, it, it got closed so i basically i just went home because it was home and uh and i just finished finished everything there and uh, we did close the gyms as well. We, we weren't strict with, you know, going to the group. We weren't as strict with going to going out with groceries or, or we didn't have a curfew or anything like that. I've seen, like I've seen in, for example, Spain or England or, or, <laughs> or England or, or, or the U S but uh, I think we, we could have, I think our biggest problem was we kept the borders open and uh, we didn't, you know, we basically told people like, hey, by the way, when you come, you have to quarantine for five days. We didn't like, we didn't enforce it. We just told them to yeah. do that. But, you know, do you think someone who's coming over to Iceland for, for vacation is going to quarantine for five days when he lands there? No, people didn't do that. Like people, yeah. of course, people broke the law all the time. And, you know, we're caught with COVID and they just traveled everywhere and start spreading around. So even though we tried our best to, to not get it over to the island. The island's the middle of nowhere that we thought we'd get away with it. We still got yeah. it. And it's, it's been bad. Um, I want to circle a little bit back to the, to the CDC question. Yeah. Since you're talking about the CDC. So I, I think it's important because uh, people are always arguing about this. Like, uh, oh, I don't trust the CDC or I do trust the CDC. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's neither. I think CDC has a lot of great information on their site. And, uh, some, and often when they make a decision or, or something, they post the data on why they base the decision on. They post a reason why, here's the data. And, and a lot of times they even, you can download the data yourself. It's like, click here to download the data. So if you have someone who's good with, you know, uh, good with, you know, our studio or, or MATLAB, they can set up the, they can set up the statistics. They can, they can do it themselves mm -hmm. and they can just look at the data themselves and, and put it up in any way they want and, and look at any, any kind of graphs. And they even have links to like, here's where we got the data. It's like, and sometimes the data is just from hospitals in the U S it's just hospitals where people jot down information of, of patients are coming in. Like, are they vaccinated or unvaccinated? So if, you know, if C to C is posting that, I think you, of course you should trust it. These are, and a lot of times they post research done by scientists and sometimes they're not even affiliated with the CDC. It's just uh, research at the John Hopkins uh, University of Medicine or something. Yeah. But other times CDC posts something, yeah, we've decided to do this and nothing else. And 
I, I think that makes, you know, they lose a lot of credibility credibility by, by doing that. And I think it was most recently was when they shortened the quarantine time mm-hmm. and they didn't really give a reason to it. And it felt like they were pushed by companies to do that because companies are now having problems where they don't have any employees and yeah. they're losing employees for a week. So I, it feels like the CDC was pushed to make that decision. So that decision wasn't based on scientific uh, evidence. So I think, you know, all in all, I mean, you shouldn't trust the media. Definitely not trust the media blindly. <laughs> you know, media is yeah. terrible. I mean, in the U.S., it's like it's like football teams. It's like, hey, I'm Fox News. I'm CNN. I'm Breitbart News. And, but oh, yeah. You, yeah, and you, you shouldn't trust. I mean, you shouldn't blindly trust the CDC either. But trust the science. If they leave, if they have data for why they make decision, the data makes sense to you. Yes, but sometimes they just they decide to do things for no reason, and it's it's odd. So I think that's, that's the hardest part for, I think for most people is that not everyone has the time or patience or the background where they can really look up and research. I know that's a sad, that's a sad part. You like, I've gotten in arguments with people. I'm like, Hey, here's the data. And they're like, I don't know what this is. There's numbers and weird colors. And it's just, yeah. I mean, I can't help you then. I I really can't. Right. So I don't, I don't know. And then they, 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 they were like, oh, maybe this is false. And I'm like, I try to explain like, no, this is like, this is based on this mathematical model. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to reach out to, to people that don't have a background in this. And I don't really know what the, what the, what the solution to that is. And the, yeah, there, there is a problem with the internet. Like as, as much of a great invention as the internet is, you know, it's still, causes a problem where anyone can post anything on there and you can't really know where you're getting your sources from. Like anyone can post a YouTube video and say like, Hey, yeah, I'm a doctor and uh, I work there and, and I have this information to share. Anyone can say like, Hey, I'm the founder of MRNA vaccines. You know, I'm the founder of the technology and I'm saying this and that. And you, it's, you know, it's, it's it can sometimes be hard to know where you're getting your, your source. And, uh, I also think humans are not by nature logical creatures. I think they are people, I think they seek validation overall. Mm. So if yeah. you have like a, if you have like an idea about something or you're at, you have a thought about something not working or working and then you see something online that validates your opinion and, and you're gonna, you're gonna keep, you know, you're gonna subscribe to that individual. You're gonna follow that individual more, or you're gonna join that Facebook groups that shares the opinion and, you kind of just end up in an echo chamber of one opinion and you right. don't see any other sides. And this is how, for example, flat earth society got created. You know, it's just people <laughs> had this idea and then they all met and they all formed a Facebook group and they kicked everyone out of the group that had uh, the other opinion. And, you know, you just end up with these people and they're, they're not necessarily stupid. They're just, they just got stuck in this, you know, a lot of them are maybe older people that don't know how the internet works and don't know how to, what the difference between factual information and non-factual information. Yeah. They just kind of get stuck in this cult kind of Yeah, it's mentality. tribalism, right? I mean, psychologically. Yeah, yeah tribalism. Yeah. Love, tribes, and that's, we see that in the health and fitness space all the time. It's the reason why keto diet's so popular, carnivore diet's so popular, vegan diet's so popular. Everyone wants to belong to something bigger than themselves. Um, right. And so when it comes to politics, that's super um, 
tribal like it's just very like this or that right and even though there's hundreds of tribes in politics um there's like you mentioned where you get your information from you know people from who get their information from cnn will look down on people who get their information from fox who look down yeah. on people who get their information from you know name the other like any other site it's just constantly people want to feel like they belong to the to the right club um, yeah and so that's that's tough because that's not the scientific method, right? So <laughs> it's like when people want to say like, "Hey, follow the science." Like, science needs to be unbiased as best as possible. That's why we have double-blind studies and everything like that, and and you know methods which actually make sense. Um, kind of piggybacking on that, what are some myths that maybe have just driven you crazy? I've got a ton, but uh, you crazy over the last two years. Well, some of the. I mean, we can start with the worst ones. Those are like the 5G is in the vaccine and all those, like the Bill Gates is controlling you. But yeah. I don't think anyone takes those people seriously that have those opinions. But uh, some, of the, some of the ones that, you know, I drive me crazy is like what we talked about earlier when people think they found, you know, the cure to end COVID, you know, for like, you know, we can talk about ivermectin. We can talk about, I think most recently was, was a, uh, uh, someone, someone said Viagra would work. Viagra? And people start, and also it was urine. People start drinking urine. Oh, man. Some, some guy, some, some yeah. cult, some cultists told people that urine was the cure and they had research for it. And uh, the bad thing is also about that is that you can always find a study even that validates that opinion because mm-hmm. for every thousand studies that are done on something, if it works or not, there will always be one or two studies that, show the opposite yep. and sometimes they are just bad studies you know there are studies that were only done over a period of seven days or only had 20 participants or or they were taking other drugs alongside the testing drug you know and they have been criticized or peer-reviewed but you know people still take those two studies and they weaponize them and they just and i've had arguments with people and i keep seeing the same studies sent my way the same exact studies like sent my way i'm like i, I if i see this study again, like, you know, and then people just dis- dis- disregard like the thousands of other studies that, that, you know, show the opposite, opposite thing. That is a basis for why people, I think, fall for so many of these myths is that they, like you said, there's a study, there's so many studies out there and not all of them are that great. And that's where like health and nutrition, you know, looking at nutrition studies, you know, I've been looking at studies where I'm like, wow, that that study makes no sense the thing they were looking at was there's so many other factors in there that there's no control yeah. in that study at all and yeah. it makes no sense <laughs> so, exactly and about iver i want to go back to ivermectin because that's yeah. a that's a very hot topic. that's very I'm, um yeah i'm not gonna be yeah. i'm not gonna go out there and tell you that it doesn't work i'm open-minded i want to end this pandemic if it works let's let's go nuts let's let's do ivermectin yeah. The thing with ivermectin right now, there is all the studies that have been done, all the all the valid studies that have been done on it are inconclusive. And a lot of them even have really terrible side effects for people who, who got it. There are a couple, there are a couple of studies that showed promising effects from ivermectin. Yeah. And and but those studies have been criticized for you know participants, like we said before, have been taking other medications alongside it. So that's still inconclusive. And, you know, that's the reason why it hasn't been drug specialists haven't, you know, haven't uh, been administering, I have been recommended administering ivermectin is because of that. It's inconclusive. 
But there are, I think last time I checked, there are 19 studies that do not have the results yet. There are being done on ivermectin. And I am completely open to them if they are positive that we use ivermectin. I, I just don't think so. I, this doesn't seem, you know, I've, I've looked at the- this is where the data has been going lately. <laughs> well, not that. It's just like the mechanism of action of how the drug works and what it is used for. I, I don't see it working for COVID, but maybe mm-hmm. there's something I don't know. And I'm so, completely open to it if it works. But I think one of the dangers as well is that, you know, it is administered for horses, which are a lot heavier animals than, than humans. So mm-hmm. it is a lot more concentrated. And, you know, you wouldn't take a painkiller for a horse, right? Unless you're trying to get because, really high. <laughs> yeah, except you're running really high and, you know, you might endanger yourself, you know, as well. Yeah. So if you don't know what you're doing, you might, you know, just somehow get it somewhere, you know, get ivermectin for horses and then you might overdose on it. And it's, it's very possible to overdose on it. Yeah. So, so it is dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. There are, I mean, there definitely have been doctors that have prescribed it. It was being prescribed up until it was the pharmacists in the United States were then not, not allowed to fill the prescriptions anymore. Um, yeah. so how they kind of like regulated that in the States is doctors were prescribing it um, with other things. And I think a lot of the early studies that were showing that it, like maybe ivermectin could be useful were mm-hmm. showing ivermectin being used with a lot of different things, right? <laughs> they were just throwing the kitchen yeah. sink at patients to see if that would help. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And um, we decided that was a bad idea. And pharmacists were like, no, we're not going to fill ivermectin anymore. However, there are doctors that are still giving prescriptions to some people and some people are able to get it, like you said, in roundabout ways. Um, I think Joe Rogan, some one off the top of my mind, like I know he took it, right? He got better really fast from COVID. I got better really fast from COVID. I didn't take anything. So like, it just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't it's you know. yeah, these kind of like personal experiences they have, you know, I, those, and those also, they, right. those, yeah, those grind my gears a lot when it's like, Hey, my friend did this and he got better. Therefore it's like, that is not, that's not how, how, how science, scientific research works, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's for some reason, anecdotal evidence or stories of other people's experiences are so impactful and persuasive. Um, yep. whereas looking at data and research, what maybe goes right over your head or just takes a long time to kind of unpack is not as persuasive for people unless it's put into a story. Um, yeah. kind of, and it's just, it's hard because that's, you know, why I think there's so much friction right now. Um, looking at, you know, let's say whether or not you're vaccinated or not, um, when it comes to COVID, obviously we don't want to get it. We don't want to get sick ever. What are the best ways when it comes to immunology? What are the best ways to make sure that you're not getting sick? I know we talked about sleep a little bit, but I think I think just the things that we've been talked about, and I'm sure you know the answer to this question better than I do, because you're you're more of the nutritional side than I am. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like we said, uh, eat well, sleep well, try to exercise, remain your health, uh, try to keep your stress to a minimal, because the stress can can actually affect uh, your immune system and your capabilities of your immune system a lot. So keep your, keep yourself busy, you know, do something relaxing, find a hobby that makes you happy and you mm-hmm. can enjoy, you know, and just try to not, you know, get into, get too depressed or stay in touch with family, stay in touch with friends, 
make phone calls. We touched on stress, and that's a huge one. There's tons of studies and research that you know stress. If you're really high stress, that can give you diseases, and um, even yeah. if it's for a long period of time, um, yeah. definitely weakens your immune system, causes a bunch of you know crap to go haywire in your body. Um, you know, and I think when it comes to especially in America, people are stressed. In the last two years, you watch the news, you're even more stressed than you ever were. And then you got quarantined to your home. Stress goes way up from that. And then different if you worked out, not being able to work out was maybe a way of managing stress, no longer able to do that. Alcohol yes. causes stress in the body. A lot of people turned to yes. drinking over the last two years. Uh, and it just kind of seems like we took a whole bunch of like tinderwood and piled it up for something like what we're seeing now happening with, you know, everyone, I feel like under the sun has COVID right now. Uh, Whether you're vaccinated or not, that's definitely, you need to take care of your health. I think I was looking at, there was a really good study I was looking at. I think it was a, it came out last week. It was a very robust study and it was, I think it was 485 uh, hospitals. It was data from 485 hospitals. And it was, uh, it was only vaccinated. It was only uh, research done on vaccinated people. And it was done on, you know, vaccinated people, how many are actually getting severe, severely sick from COVID or mm -hmm. even dying, which was very rare. It was, it was about in the 0.00% of people because, of course, you're much less likely to get, to, uh, get into the ICU or, or, or die if you're vaccinated, but it still happens. You know, breakthrough infections happen. And, yeah. and I, the study uh, revealed that 100% of people who got severe symptoms from COVID and had to be hospitalized, 100% had at least one pre-existing condition. Yeah. And uh, yeah, which, you know, pre-existing condition can be that you're immunocompromised because you're over 65 years old, of course, or it could be any kind of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, obesity, which are, you know, can be developed with bad health habits. Right. And the study also revealed that 80% of deaths from vaccinated people, even, even though they're vaccinated, 80% of the deaths, which were very few, they had four or more pre-existing, four or more pre-existing conditions. Yeah. That's definitely, so it's just, I know that the study that you just mentioned there is one that I looked at. I was just like, holy crap, like people need to get healthy. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, you know, if four, like if you have four more pre-existing health conditions, it's actually easier. A lot of people have that in the United States. I think 80% of our population, almost yeah. like I'm rounding up by quite a bit. It's like 70 something percent mid seven have are overweight or obese and also have diabetes, heart disease. And you know, right there, that's like, you know, you're looking at four different things, um, which almost majority of the people in the States, it's like pretty normal to have that. Um, mm -hmm. And then you look at the people who are getting sick and it's like, well, almost everyone who's getting sick is obese or overweight, um, has, you know, heart disease or some type of COPD or something like that before even getting yeah. COVID. Um, it's tough. Yeah. And they, that, that's important stuff too. Like just because you're vaccinated with three doses doesn't make you invincible. You can, you can still get pretty sick. And also we have, uh, there's a lot of uh, studies now happening with, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you heard of long COVID. Yeah. People experiencing terrible shortness of breath, even weeks after getting COVID, even weeks or months after getting COVID. And, you know, they've, they feel like their brain is slower, like they're, they're thinking slower. There's a lot of 
And we don't even know why that is. We're trying, still trying to figure out why that's happening. So, you know, people might say like, oh, I'm healthy and I'm vaccinated. I, I, I'm, or, or I'm vaccinated, I'm gonna be fine from the disease, but we don't know what long-term effects it can, it can have on you. It's, it's kind of too early to know about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you were talking about at the beginning of the show that you were you said that people are mad at you for suggesting people to be healthy. I think it was unfair for people to do that. But I think, like for example, Joe Rogan was criticized because he said like you don't need the vaccine, just be healthy. Right. And I think that's kind of bad for him to say that because Americans are not healthy. Right. <laughs> we are not healthy. Like you can't make policy for a country that has mostly unhealthy people. Like if everyone was jacked in, in the US, you'd be like, hey, everyone's healthy, we're fine, you know, but we're not. So we want people to get vaccinated to protect those unhealthy people and pre-existing conditions to, to right. create herd, herd immunity and protect them. Because there's some people that there are unable to take the vaccine because they have, just their immune system is, is very compromised due to HIV or, or, or something else. So those can only be shielded by with herd immunity and with people around them getting the vaccine. Yeah. Even though, even though, you know, with Omicron especially, you know, you, you're still spreading it vaccinated, even though at, at a lot, lot lesser degree. Yeah. So when it comes to herd immunity and, you know, because like I said, we want to get over this, um, is, you know, from your understanding of the virus is COVID, do you expect it to go away? Or do you expect us to get to a point where, like, it's kind of like polio, for example, like completely gone? Or will it always be there in some shape or form? Well, polio is not completely gone. It still exists in three countries. Uh, Pakistan being one of them, I don't remember who the other two are, but yeah. polio is not completely gone and it, it's taken some time. It's been gone from, from some of the, like, from the, all the Western uh, uh, developed countries for a long time. For a long time. But yeah. some of the other countries have been battling with polio for a long time. And that's simply because they weren't you know, vaccines weren't available and they didn't start vaccinating kids at an early age as much as we have done here in the developed nations. Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I think it will take some time with, with COVID, but it's, it's really too early to tell. And we, we don't really know what the, what, what's the next, what the, what the next, uh, what the next mutant mutation is going to be the next variant. You know, we never know what's happening, but hopefully it's getting to the point where we have a lot of milder, have a milder, uh, cases variant of- right now and and then we'll have comp- we'll continue to get a milder versions until we have you know good we we have people with good enough immunity that it will just be another flu and we'll still be there but people you know we're not going to get getting hospitalized as much as is happening right now yeah so in that sense what it seems like we would want to happen is for it to be downgraded to like the common cold or the flu which those things used to kill people and they don't really as much anymore. Uh, yeah. They still do technically, but not like they used to. It used to be a death sentence back in like the 1700s, 1800s. If you got yeah. old, you're like, oh, you're probably going to die. I, I mean, people, people in like, I was looking at, this is a fun thing because we're such a small country in Iceland mm-hmm. that we have a database of like all of our, like I can just look myself up in the database and I see, I can see all my relatives up to like the early, like 17, 1800s, like you can see like who my great, 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 great grandfather is because it's all been logged in a database and it's not been hard to keep track of such few people. Yeah. And I I was, I was looking at the database and like when I was looking like way back in the last century or like in the 18, 19, early 1900s, 
like people are having like eight kids and six of them die before they're 15 just because they had diarrhea you know and yeah and it's it's really like baffles me when people still go oh natural like natural immunity natural immunity is the best natural immunity works the best but you can just look back in the history and see it, it hasn't it hasn't worked what has worked is medical advances and and and, and scientific research has helped us battle these diseases mm-hmm. and even for covid you know the research the recent researches have shown that you're not making as many antibodies when you get infected compared to the vaccines and they last for a shorter time as well so natural immunity is a lot weaker than the vaccines even though you know they could show some strength and it's you know like i said especially if you're if you're not healthy you're not going to develop a lot of if you survive covid you're not going to develop a lot of antibodies and so i mean that helps i think put it in perspective when we think of disease and where we've come from and how the scientific Mm -hmm. community has helped get to that you know next stepping stone and like you said before just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you're now invincible um and i think that's where i think a lot of people get caught up in is like science is not what i think a lot of people think is like science itself again is a way to solve problems right it's not like a truth or a a like hey if you just follow the science nothing bad will ever happen to you because it's science and it's perfect um science i think by definition is imperfect and especially biology yeah. um, i remember taking biochem and like so when we would solve problems there was never an one answer there was always like this answer is most likely but this answer might happen 30 yeah. percent of it's, the time and this answer might happen 15 percent of the time it's the best information we have right now as of now it's the best thing we have right i mean that's why everything is still called a theory you know people don't understand what the word theory is like the theory of evolution the theory of, theory of gravity mm-hmm. you know i've had I've had, you know, uh, arguments with uh, uh, creationists who are like, oh, evolution is just a theory. I'm like, so is theory of gravity. And the reason it's called a theory is because we can always expand on it. We can always learn something more. We can always find something out like, hey, we weren't completely correct. So it's going to be, it's always a theory. You can't always know everything. Right. Try our our best. And that's where, if we keep that open mind, like you were talking about earlier, and thinking of like, all right, so we're just trying to do our best with the information that we have. Um, that's where we're at, right? And that's the reason why things have been so flip-flopping, why there's so much anger, anger I feel like. Yeah. That, um, people don't, don't really understand or what a theory is or the science behind a lot of things. And that's where like, again, I see this all the time in nutrition. A lot, like you said, a lot of times um, things that we thought were unhealthy for us, um, for example, like fat, egg yolks, cholesterol, dietary cholesterol, we thought caused high regular cholesterol until we found out it didn't. And then we're like, oh crap, actually what causes high cholesterol in your body is the liver producing tons of cholesterol because you're eating so much sugar. (laughs) Your insulin spiking and you're not taking care of your body. You have a lot of stress and that causes the liver to produce more. It's just like a lot of stuff go into it. Um, and it's not like a one thing, like, oh, just cut out fat and you'll be fine. People still get heart disease and heart attacks when not eating lots of fat. And actually we've seen a raise, like a increase in that. And I think when you talked about, you know, the immune system, whether or not you get the vaccine or not, comes down to um, still personal choices of how you're taking care of managing stress, your sleep, how alcohol affects the body, things like that. Um, but you had a weaker yeah. position, right? Yeah. Um, 
So it's one of those things where, you know, taking a more holistic approach kind of seems like what we can both agree on would be the better way to go. And then that includes, you know, science and taking the medicines that we think are the, the best, which, you know, you mentioned debunking, I like not debunking, but like, hey, ivermectin might become in the future the best medicine, but right now it's not, right? And keeping that open mind. Um, but, you know, same thing with regular vaccines versus the RNA uh, vaccines and everything under the sun. Like you said, this is such an early, like we're still still early in, in the game when it comes to COVID because um, I think so many other things that we study in science, we study for decades, not just a couple of years, right? Yeah, and I just wanted to point out like the one important thing that people overlook is that the Vu, the original Wuhan virus is completely gone from our society. It's 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 consists of one percent of cases, one percent of COVID cases, or less than one percent is the original Wuhan virus, and that's mostly because people are are immunized against the original Wuhan virus. It's it's not causing as many infections because you know we have heard you have basically herd immunity from both people being infected and building any, any antibodies against it and people being uh, having we have a high vaccination rates across the world now. yeah which is the reason why we have like so when you think of the omicron variant it's less dangerous than maybe the original wuhan virus but it seems uh, like it's, you know that that's i it's less dangerous than delta yeah delta i heard was, people people yeah. people misinterpreted that misinterpreted they because people say, oh, it's mild. Yeah, it's it's milder than Delta, which means we're just back to Wuhan. Gotcha. We're, we're back to the Wuhan flu, but but it spreads more easily. Uh, Still a big deal. It's, yeah. It's, you know, people kind of just like, ah, oh, it's it's mild. It's mild. Yeah, because people want to yeah. be done with it. <laughs> They're like, exactly. Just... People want to, people are trying to be optimistic, and I don't blame yeah. them. Well, thank you, Daniel, for the conversation today. I think we took a lot of twists and turns, but it came down to, you know, I think a lot of useful information, just things that, you know, people can kind of ponder about and help, you know, maybe open people's minds from, you know, maybe both sides, because it sounds like is there's not a, you know, there's still a lot we don't know. What we do know, though, is that it seems like RNA, like getting a vaccine or getting the actual virus, which vaccine tends to be a lot safer than getting the actual virus, but having immunity helps and taking care of our body, which in cases our immune system also helps. So exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so before we end, I actually want to do the sign off with you. So uh, every time I end in a podcast episode, we just kind of say mind, body, and spirit. Uh, so we're going to go okay. mind and point out our heads. There we go. And you're going to say it with me, mind, our mind. body flex. And, and then spirit, we just put hands together. And okay, ready for it? Yeah, sure, let's go. All right, cool. We're transforming minds. Mind. Body. Body. And spirit. Spirit. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind, Body, Spirit podcast. If you got some value today from the conversation I had with Daniel, then I suggest leaving a five-star rating and an honest review on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast on, whether it be Apple iTunes or Spotify or any other platform. I would also encourage you to share this episode directly by copying and pasting the link and sharing it with a handful of friends or family members that you think would also enjoy the episode, or you can go ahead and just share it on your social media. 
the conversation we had today was not meant as medical advice, but more as a conversation between two different um, ends of the health industry. So there's, of course, myself, who makes up the nutrition fitness coaching side of the health industry. And then there's Daniel, who is a member of the research community. We both make up the health industry along with um, doctors and nurses and other um, professionals. So when it comes to your medical advice, I recommend talking to your doctor. I hope that this podcast was entertaining for you. Our goal of the conversation was not to necessarily offend anyone, but to educate and help spread awareness on a conversation and topic that seems to be very hot right now. So I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you for listening and God bless.